Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. another episode of shape of work podcast joining us today we have arpan chakraborty the hr lead from sales handy hi arpan how are you today hi i'm really doing good ankita how are you very good thank you thank you for asking so arpan so glad to have you here on board and we have so many things to ask you around employee centric experience and more about hr related stuff i'm sure my listeners are equally excited as i am so can we start yeah definitely let's begin So before I jump on to many other details can you tell us a little about yourself and your career journey till now Definitely okay so basically you know if I talk about myself I'm basically from Calcutta but then you know because my parents had this government job so I had to relocate I mean to a lot of states so I mean jumping how I you know came to this uh, field is due to my masters after my graduation I was not aware of what exactly to do maybe every second indian goes to this I mean what yeah. exactly are we going to do right so there I heard that you know there is something known as MSW so MSW stands for masters of social work right and masters of social work and it, I did it from the faculty of social work uh, the maharaja sajira university of baroda so you know people at gujarat would know it i mean it is a really uh, you know an old government university which has its ancestral roots way laid back to maharaja gaikwad so you know when i got enrolled i had two options so the first one was mhrm the second one was msm so mhrm is human resource management and msw is social work so obviously i mean i never wanted to go into social work but you know when i saw the syllabus when i start you know msw is going to give me a variety of you know options so i had four semesters there and each semester transited into different fields so it was you know ngo it was was hospitals it was rural areas and my last semester was in a corporate one is dialer here in baroda itself so there i first got a glance of what hr does and what is hr so there my journey started and from there after my internship i joined in an edtech company based out of ahmedabad so you know i spent good 18 20 months over there and from there you know i started understanding more about what hr is and luckily i would say it's luck that you know i did not have any senior over there so everything was done by myself and my colleagues who were as new and as fresh as so you know it was very interesting and challenging at the same time because you do not have any proper guidance but everything whatever you are doing it's by your own method right. so that is how i grew and right now i am at sales handy uh, it's a saas company based out of ahmedabad again and i am right now leading the hr team over here awesome that's so great you know and i think learning by yourself without any guidance is something best which you can have i know the journey is difficult but when you achieve it it's something absolutely that, absolutely yeah something like no doll so i think yeah that's super good moving forward so what points hr leaders can keep in mind while enhancing employee experience for employees working from home or returning to office so right okay okay good question so first i i would like to you know begin with that you know i'm here not to you know criticize the traditional hr thing but i'm here to speak more about what i believe hr is right so hr is kind of i mean why human resource i mean it if you see the history it was coined by an american in the late 1890s and we are still using that we are still using that term 
right? So we have still not moved from, uh, you know, the late 20th century. So why that? So why not we call ourselves something else? I mean, human resource, we generally do not have anything to do with human resource, to be very honest. We do everything around human resource, right? So first, I would like to begin with that, you know, uh, there's an interesting article I was reading and, you know, we can call ourselves heraldrian. That translates to a kingdom or a state or a department where new things come up every day and new policies are formed, new things are happening. So herald, it's just regarding everything, not just human rights. So dimensions are changing and to answer your question, I mean, what can we do? I mean, we have to make sure that we do not snatch the flexibility and the comfort of all the members, right? So I'm not going to go into details and terms and use, uh, you know, big words to, uh, you know, answer these questions. But what I would say is that for an employee, for a person, after all, comfort and flexibility matters. A person would, you know, in my opinion, would work and would deliver the best if the circumstances right. So first of all, we have to create those circumstances. So those companies who are calling their employees back to the office, it's good. I mean, it's it's nothing bad in that. I mean, in the first place, it was never about to happen if COVID did not exist, right? So it's it's not it's nothing bad. But if possible, why not keep it hybrid? Even I believe if I did not read it wrong, I mean, even Sundar Pichai said that you know, combination of hybrid and remote and uh, office culture would make the you know person work most effective. So sure. I think we should focus on that so that ask those employees are they needed? At, I mean, first ask yourself are they needed at office? Why are they needed at office? If they are not needed at office, then you know have a conversation with them. So I would rather stay and, you know, to my own, you know, colleagues, when we have this HR kitlies and everything, uh, we, we mentioned that don't lose good employees, good, good members, just because someone else is offering remote work and you are not. So don't let that happen, right? And yeah. if you're calling them back to office, make sure that the office is not so office. Once you enter an office, you should understand that, okay, I mean, this is just my second home. I'm as comfortable over here as I'm going to be back at home, right? Yeah. Do not make it a traditional way wherein I have to go, I have to, you know, set in the same place I have to do the monotonous work I have to get up I have to check the clock I have to go for lunches the same time so flexibility yeah. confer you know I mean having the comfort and least you know you can do is that understand where they're coming from whether you know the, the family background I mean my family could be stable right? my family could require me at home my family could require you know uh, me to work from home and I mean we have to understand that I mean having that empathy is very important and the notion that work from home means you can work till later night or you're available till 12 should change. I mean, you know, we have to make sure that flexibility should not be only from office, it should be at home as well. Right, that's so true. Because I have also observed many a times, many other organizations, I have seen my friends working late night till 12, 1 just because work from home. So yeah, very well said and I think there should be a balance which is very, very important regardless of work from home. Moving on, I have this very interesting question now which I personally want to have the answer for. So which is, you know, when generations of workers with different age skills uh-huh. how can employers manage and engage them to organizations advantage what's that you know if do you have any key for it uh-huh. or what's your thought on this? okay okay a challenging question to be honest so how i relate to it is that you know my first job my founder that i worked closely with both the founders were above 65 years old my second job both of them were in their mid-30s. And then, you know, right now the company I'm working in, uh, you know, both are nearly the late 20s. So if you see, I have worked with generations. Same goes for my colleagues. I mean, whom I am working with right now, whom I have worked previously. So there's a there's a good saying that, you know, in youth, we learn and in age, we understand. Right. So right now, I think we are all, I mean, me, you and 
all those who are in their 20s 30s are still learning and those who are uh, in earlier to us they have already understood the process they went through that so the best thing sometimes is to have people with different mindset experience and opinion in the same room because if me and you are working together and we have the same opinion same mindset and same experience then we might commit the same mistake right so it's good to have somebody who knows that okay i mean you know i did that in the past and i regretted it maybe you should also regret it and maybe you can also learn from it so we can have buddy programs such as you know wherein if let's say hypothetically let's say that there is a company and you know there is a marketing team right and there is a cap of let's and there is a team of let's say 25 people and we, what we can do is we can ask the interns to work with people who are having 10 plus years of experience and also we can make sure that we can give them through them challenges right it would also translate to a good employee engagement activity so let's say that we throw a challenge to different teams and we divide those teams into let's say age groups of let's say 21 and 50 let's say 30 30 and let's say 20 40 so maybe we can see that the team that is having the most diversified age group will perform you know the most differently because they both would have their different ideas one would be tech savvy obviously the youth the, the person who is young younger would be tech savvy and the person who is a little aged would struggle with you know technologies but that person would be able to understand and you know a lot of stuff that his teammate or her teammate is yet to see right in cricketing terms we can say combination of sachin and Virat or Dhoni and Nisha Pant, right? So Sachin, I mean, he also not failed, but he also struggled, you know, a lot of times. And Virat also, you know, was struggling. And right now, yes. So. if you see both of them standing at the crease you would see different characteristics but they are going to complement each other right so buddy programs i would say throwing challenges in a team right and making sure that you know we are not afraid of thinking that there would be clashes among people if there is clashes among opinion right first you have to clear that so the best thing as per me would be to utilize those experience that comes from you know elder people and to use the technology use the quick mindset of the people who are young and you know channelize somewhere maybe you know both can write blogs together and maybe they can work on the same project together so it's not sometimes what we have what happens is that if there's a complex you know let's say a problem comes up uh, in an engineering department let's say you know something is not happening we give it to the person who is having the most experience in terms of programming maybe a solution architect maybe a you know back end engineer senior back end yeah. engineer maybe we can you know first ask the younger person to you know suggest ways right that way the combination would work because this is how we would know that what is in the mindset of the person right the person in front of us if you are not hearing them out we are just judging them based on experience then it's not going to work so experience is just another number right i mean like age right right it's just a number so well said i think yes in fact the thing what he said about a blend of you know a person who's so much experienced with a newbie who has come with so much of technology and the details work can work really wonders so yeah let me i think this is something which my listeners would even want to make a note and implement it for future and Uh, moving on this another one where you know i want to know what are some ways where you ensure that performance management strategies translate into successful execution on the ground okay performance management right i mean obviously so the first thing that comes to my mind is that first every organization needs to answer why why does that team that department that company needs performance management system then we can answer the how right? right so i mean every again i mean from my experience i have been working in companies having employees stand over a thousand over 200 right now you know i am working with a team of 50 to see i mean there is a huge gap of employees stand that i have been i have worked with so diversified experience i have 
So every company must be aware of, before starting this, they should answer, why do we need this? Do we need to enhance the skills? Do we need to do it to get results? And right. it totally depends upon the employee strength. The same technique might not be suitable for a 30-employee organization. And if we are utilizing that for an organization which has a count of 1,000 employees, right? So we have to make sure that it goes with the employee strength, right? The first thing is that. Second thing would be, I would say, you know, PMS, performance management should be direct. It should be measurable and the outcomes should be tracked. They should be trackable, right? But trust me, I mean, it, it is something that why I am saying is that because I have been doing it and it's nothing that it, it's nowhere on the internet, I believe. I'm not sure that you'll find it on LinkedIn or maybe somebody, some part of somebody's quote. It is a try and tested method that if you're not measuring the outcome of PMS, if you're not direct in your approach and you're not tracking the results, how? Maybe doing it quarterly maybe dividing it into you know monthly depending upon again the employee strength if the employee strength is thousand, over a thousand it's not possible to do it quarterly then we have to do it maybe every six months or something right. but if you measure it right so let's say Arpan right Arpan and uh, Ankita are working together and they're working in the same department how are you going to track their work how are you going to make sure that their performance is measured in a systematic way the PMS right. Right, basically by their KPIs by how they are achieving their KR the number that they're achieving the initiative they are taking I mean it doesn't matter if they are taking 10 leaves or 8 leaves less right it matters how they are taking initiatives if they are able to you know deal with the KPIs or not everything revolves around KPIs if you see everything revolve, revolves around a metric so we have to make sure that it is trackable and the best thing about PMS is that the employee and the employer they both you know would be sharing the same vision at the end Yeah. initially it might happen that you know if I join somewhere I might not understand that okay I mean, I'm just doing a task and I'm just getting my salary at the end of the month. But I'm not understanding what the end goal is. Why are they paying me XYZ amount, right? Right. So every member should understand that they are paid XYZ amount and they have an ROI on them, right? I mean, when the founders or the directors are paying somebody something, they ensure that they get the ROI, right? And how do we get the ROI? We have to give them continuous feedback. So coming up to your previous questions, that feedbacks, you know, the experienced people would help the younger folks, right? There's a very famous quote that feedback is the breakfast of champions. So we have to make sure that before stating the result of PMS, you have to make sure it is direct, it is measurable, you know, it is going to have a positive outcome and you have given enough feedbacks before the PMS. We directly after three months or four months that, okay, I mean, you exercise that you're not performing well and, uh, you know, this is it. I mean, you're out. So we have to give continuous feedbacks. I mean, this is how PMS is going to work. Now, if you search Google, if you search YouTube, if you go on books, you'll see 360 degree, you'll see comparison studies, you'll see type 2 types, different types of PMS. I mean, I mean it's okay. I mean, it's fine. Most of it, but before that, make it trackable and make it direct. That's my funder. Right. No, I think tracking, the point is, which you highlighted, tracking is very important. If it cannot be tracked, Mitis will not have it. Because exactly. that will not make sense. I mean, how do you track a cricketer's, a footballer's performance? So how do you track, you know, an actor's performance by the box office numbers, right? By right. the hits they have given. Maybe by the ratio of movies they are releasing to the ratio of movies that is getting a thumbs up from the audience, right? And if they're not doing that in a particular way, then, I mean, even they are going to change after a while, right? So, we have to make it trackable anyhow. It has to be measured. Yeah, so true. And, you know, one another thing, moving on with the same circle, is what should be an organization's focus as we transition into the new paradigms of working? 
Okay. So look, I mean, number one would be talent retention. I mean, that comes to my mind. So right now, if you speak about what era it is, it is the great resignation. All the recruiters, all the HR would understand from this that hiring right now is a very, very tough job. Hiring the right person is a very, very tough job. I mean, you myself must be getting a lot of DMs, you know, from recruiters that, you know, we are hiring, you know, join us, our company. So everybody is bombarding everyone, you know, hire, right? So talent retention, is something which is the topmost priority be it any dimensions right we have to make sure that we are not stubborn with appraisals right so the first thing is talent retention how do you first solve it how do you retain your top talent the second is sustainability right i mean are the companies who are you know shelling out big bucks behind all the members are they sustainable i mean are they going to be there after 10 years are they going to be making profit after 10 years so you know everybody is in the race of becoming a unicorn i mean every day you'd see it's a trend now i mean there was a trend wherein people were making profits now it's a trend of becoming a unicorn every now and then people even as an hr you know, sometimes when you talk to somebody, they would say that, okay, you know, thanks for this opportunity, but my focus is to join an unicorn or some company who is on, in the, on the way to become an unicorn. So yeah. it's okay. I mean, taking funds and, you know, but if you have right examples of sustainability, why not join them? Why joining somebody who is having the burden of ripping their investors, right? I mean, different views, but again. So third thing after sustainability would be hiring responsibly. So right now, if you see a lot of companies are laying off employees. So that is harming their brand value. That is showing that, you know, that this company does not you know, value their employees. And there's a very famous company, I'm not going to name the company, but recently the founder and the CEO came on to ride by firing 4,000 employees, I believe, on the eve of Diwali. And then again, they did the same thing during the Women's Day. And again, recently they have laid off employees. And again, it's very, very horrible for people who are getting laid off because they're not able to, you know, a lot of people are going to have PTSDs, to be very honest. Hiring responsibility is something that all the HR must know that if you are hiring somebody they are leaving their job so have that vision will that company benefit will the person benefit right fourth would be making sure work-life balance is there amongst all the employees so work-life balance is now very open it's not just you know giving out 30 or infinite leaves it means that you are doing your work to live your life you know i mean it's something that you have to understand that you're living your life and work is the part of it it's not that you are working and life is a part of your you know day-to-day routines it's completely opposite and and lastly, I would say that, you know, challenge people, just challenge people. Nobody likes monotonous work. Nobody likes the same repetitive job. Challenge people, throw them challenges, talk to them. That is how you are going to, you know, retain talent. Right. So, uh, Arpan, what do you think? Is it difficult more <clears throat> difficult for employees to get the good job or is it more difficult for employers to hire a good employee? What's more challenging? I would say that, you know, when I was a person who was looking for a job, I thought that finding a job is tough, right? Now I feel that hiring is tough. So, it's something that will always be debatable but what I can say for sure is that if a person who is looking for a job is guided and mentored well Mm -hmm. because nobody at school nobody at your college will tell you to you know have those skills that you need so again I mean if there are skill acquisition programs if there are something that you know wherein such podcasts happen wherein you know they can share the insights of how a fresher got into Google or you know their dream company and you know how did they crack the interview it would be great so I would say that right now I mean, obviously, hiring is a very difficult job because we have less talent and more companies, less talent in terms of, you know, the things that we require. For example, if I'm hiring for a particular position, there would be certain skills that I need. And all those people who 
on LinkedIn or you know are looking for a job might not have those skills. So in that way, yeah, I mean, right now I would say it's more tough to get the perfect person. Right, and you know I have also seen that people are actually using so many tools these days to ensure their CV looks the best, <clears throat> and they want to be very presentable because obviously that's that's the first impression. The first thing the employer will know is the CV, and that's how they will probably draw a picture of that particular person. So after interviewing, let's say they had a conversation. Uh-huh. What more matters, the CV which is right in front of the person who was interviewed, or the conversation they had? It can okay. be an, or completely, you know, vice versa. Maybe after looking at the CV, you must have thought, okay, this person has got ten years of experience. But after talking to that person, you must have realized not really sounding like a ten-year experienced person. So what will you give weightage? How will you calculate that? I mean, CV is just one of the paper, right? I mean, I'll tell you what. It's a funny story that I spent 500 rupees during my master's last year. And I, <laughs> I spent 500 to someone to create. I'm not joking. I mean, I told my friends, I told my, you know, batchmates that if your CV is not good, if it's not colorful, it's, if you're it's not having your photograph. I mean, how would a person out of 40, I mean, our batch was of 40. So out of 40, how would your CV come yeah. into the light, right? So yeah. you have to make it this, you have to make it that. I spent 500 bucks and you know I, I made my CV good and three interviews happened and they got selected I got rejected so then I understood that you know okay I mean CV is fine I mean what's missing then I understood that I was more you know determined to look good rather than you know to sound better right so I understood that okay the first thing that I need to change in myself is you know how I speak how I you know utilize my knowledge I used to fear speaking sometimes that you know if I speak too much people would say okay I mean you know, there's a boring person. So if right. I speak too less, then, you know, people would judge that, okay, he's not knowledgeable. So right. finding that right balance, check videos. I mean, if I am taking an interview right now, right, today, uh, which I do, you know, every day we take a lot of interviews. So yeah. the main thing that the Herald Real department would focus should be that the person is having the real experience and is direct. I mean, if they are not knowing anything, right, if you're not knowing anything, then be honest. I mean, okay, I'm not yet aware of this because I have not been put into this game, put into this zone, but I'm ready to take on throw me an assignment so throw them challenges in the interview if they are going to the right path then it's okay I mean my interviews you know they consist of a lot of logical questions as well so if they are going to a right direction at least they are trying right I mean six months again it was a four right it's okay I mean you, you are targeting the sky you are ending up on a tree it's okay so at least try so that is what we see and obviously but that doesn't mean that a CV with nothing would work always I mean obviously CV matters it's your bio so make it good I can you know keep going with some similar questions but unfortunately we're running out of time so I have to end this but in case my audience wants to reach out to you is LinkedIn the right place? Absolutely absolutely. Awesome awesome. So it was a pleasure talking to you Arpan. Thank you so much for giving such precious time to us. Likewise thank you so much for this. Thank you Arpan. Have a good day.